0: Thank you for the download. It's Wednesday, March 16th, and this is episode 47 of the Marty Called podcast. I'm Tim Grassi, and today I'm joined by my co-host, Assault Nasaki. What's up, Josh?
1: Not much. I'm just recording live from the galactic box truck that I am currently seated in, and I couldn't be happier to uh, bring a show to the people from space.
0: I assume that was a direct apology to me, who was 100% correct on how the box truck was going to work. And uh, yeah, I accept your apology. And skipper Ben. How's it going, Ben? I either want
2: to talk about fantasy baseball or Josh's opinions on Florida politics. <laughs>
0: either one is going to be fun for everybody. I would hate p- having either of those conversations. <laughs> ben, when are you changing, uh, trading me the first overall pick? When is that going to happen? Uh, well, discuss it now or after the show. What do you want to do? <laughs> that could be the post-show discussion. That'll be good. Okay.
2: Okay. Stay <laughs> for after the uh, end credits, everybody. That'll be our uh,
0: post-music uh, talk. We're going to sing our trade proposals to one another. That's right. so uh our original intent for this show was to record it and save it because i am in the busiest time of my year but uh that didn't happen so now we've got a significant news item ahead of this topic uh if you've been living in a cave uh tom brady said two months with his family is long enough uh disney is opening a 55 plus swingers community in the southern california desert the head of the pr slash damage control uh, Disney accidentally leaked the opening date for Cosmic Rewind, and, uh, Disney opened a hotel stay around
1: Star Wars, I guess. Disney marketing is like, do you remember Homer, <laughs> how he described alcohol as being the cause and solution to all the world's problems? Like, that is the, the <laughs> people doing the messaging for Disney right now. Like, <laughs> the same guy is giving the apology that screwed the thing up in the first place. He gotta love I
2: gotta, it. I gotta say, I, I, I love that guy who accidentally leaked the, uh, Cosmic Rewind opening date because, you know, we could actually make our freaking summer plans now based on uh, some of that information. You know, it's crazy how that works. Let us know when stuff's going to open and we can actually book trips around it. It's kind of
0: cool. You're being ridiculous. You're being ridiculous. Yeah. So uh, that that is, uh, I guess, it's news, but it's not really what we want to talk about. Um, Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser opened. And as I said, I was 100% right in the box truck. I will accept uh, handwritten apologies from everybody that uh, questioned that. Um I have my own opinions. I know uh, Josh is itching to talk about it. Jo- Actually, Josh, why don't you kick us off on yeah, uh, on your yeah. thoughts?
1: Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think it's kind of what what I expected it to be. There wasn't any real surprises there. I don't think. I think the architect. I'll start with the positive. I think from a architectural sort of interesting building uh, perspective, at least on the interior, I think it's pretty cool. I think it looks. You have to
0: specify the interior. <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, obviously, the ex- <laughs> there's nothing to talk about with the exterior, but the, the exterior interior
0: is a fucking prison.
1: Yeah. It's not good. Uh, the the Lake Boida Vista correction center looks good. Um, yeah, I think it looks great on the inside. I think it's, I'm not really a huge star Wars fan. I'm, I don't dislike it or anything. I just, I didn't, I blame my parents for not showing me those films when I was a kid. I don't have the nostalgic connection to them, but to me, it's that interior achieves something that imagineering is sometimes good at it and sometimes not, which is that they are, it's cool enough to where it's appealing to you, even if you don't care about the franchise just right. from the aesthetic and everything. So I think that's really cool on the biggest negative. I think like all the games to me look stupid. Like there's mm-hmm. nothing about any of those that I find particularly appealing. Um And I don't know that they even did anything wrong. I just think from an idea perspective, I don't know what else it could be except to say that we mentioned this before, which is that if the value proposition of this was to take, a typical Disney attraction and make it something that's much more intimate that you could only do for a very small group of people. They didn't do that. It's like a queue line, base, you know, a queue uh, mini game is the way they look to me. So
0: I don't think that's true at all. I think they've staggered where they're sending people for the most part. I but think. But does it look any better to you
1: than the, the stuff at Space Mountain's queue? I mean, it's well, just well kinda...
0: okay, so so that that's a different argument. The way the okay, I'm I'm sorry, I misunderstood what you were saying. I apologize. I I took what you said to mean that they weren't handling the intimacy of it any no, better no, and no. people were people were waiting like they did for um what's that card game that was around the magic kingdom sorcerers of the magic Kingdom. Oh, yeah. basically said it. that i'm sorry i misunderstood what you were saying so yeah. the complexity of the games one of the comments i had said was it's conceivable that a lot of these activities are no different than what you would find at a children's museum yeah uh, Now, no having said that none of us have experienced this in person and paid reviews from people whose opinions we trust people that are often negative said that those activities were were good uh, that that they were that they were positives to it. So that's something I don't know that we're necessarily qualified to give an opinion on, but uh, just viewing it as an outside observer, I had a similar feeling as you. I mean it could be
1: to be the devil's advocate because as you said, we don't really know. There are a lot of things in the world that are really fun to do, but you look like a total jackass to anyone who's watching you do it. Um, most of my hobbies fit into that category. You know, so it could be that. It could be something where the the visceral experience of playing it just doesn't transmit when you're watching someone do it. Uh, but I didn't really sense that. It just looked kind of corny. And I wonder what the. I guess it's all in the implementation. If it's really, really well executed and it it translates, but gameplay is a really hard thing. And honestly, it's not something that Disney's really demonstrated much skill with. If you look at their, what was the app they used to have on the iPhone where you could explore the parks? You know, like they've they've made these sort oh, of the, half fast. Yeah, these half-assed attempts to like take advantage of technology and bring you know sort of a, a gaming gamification of certain Disney experiences, and it seems to me they've all per- been pretty bad. My Magic Plus, perhaps being the the biggest example of where that particular skill set doesn't seem to be in their uh, you know bag of clubs.
0: <laughs> well, let's let's look at just the three hosts on this show, and while we often agree on things, we have different enough personalities and. I think from a scale of outgoing to introvert, uh, we start with Ben as the outgoing one. I'm probably in the middle, and Josh is the introvert. And I think for that reason, the people that this appeals to the most uh, on our show is probably Ben. Am I incorrect here, Ben? No. What does that say good. about me? Is that good or bad? <laughs> no, I, th- I think it, it means that this this type ben, of... Ben, you're at a safe place. You're in the <laughs> in the tree. But, well, no, in, so- in all seriousness, though, this... this Looks like if you're outgoing and you're willing to commit to the story here, this looks like it's for you. If you're you're not, then it's not going to be for you.
2: I've got to be totally honest. I think there has to be some separation between the price and the experience. Oh, absolutely. For for my explanation here, because after seeing what I've seen, after listening to Len Testa's uh, review that went into the whole backstory of the character that he arrived on the ship with and a fully committed to the being a part of the show and not just being a part of the experience. Right. There's a part of me that really, 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 really wants to do this now. And I'd be lying to you if I hadn't told if if I didn't say that I've been brainstorming like, what would my character be? Mm-hmm. What would I do to start this? How would I how would I go through these well, two and a e- half Epcot days? Is the
1: Death Star, and you're trying to destroy it. That's yeah. obvious. To anyone <laughs> that's who's reading the show.
0: I like it. That's pretty good. <laughs> that's, that's not bad. I
2: like that. Uh, I, you know, and it goes back to something that I've talked about before. I, I was part of that play test at Disneyland and <laughs> Frontierland for a you know similar experience and. Um, uh, once you commit to a character and commit to a okay. role and commit to being a part of it, it's some of the most fun you'll ever have uh, doing anything. Uh, so from what I've seen – I do like role yes, play, but the- I don't know
1: what they're going to think about a principal boarding the Star <laughs> well, Cruiser.
2: So so here's, here's the fun part about it because ta- I'm talking about it with my wife who is not into this kind of thing like at all. To the point that I was like, you know, it's it's a really cool LARPing experience, and she's like, "What did you just say? What's what is LARPing?" <laughs> yeah, that's a word um, that so,
1: should never be said by anyone. I
0: I, I understand what it stands for. be a lot of dude her. trips, is what it's going to be. <laughs> well,
2: that's that's the
0: hard part is
2: when it, at that point when the price comes into play, there's no way I can convince her to right. pony up to do this. So if I want to do it, I've got to figure out a way to exactly what you said, dude trips. How do we split this up right. to do it? Because it's. If anything, it's shown that it's not for everybody, but for the group that it is for, I think that group is going to absolutely love it.
1: Yeah. I but- love how your, your theory as to how to get me to do this thing that I don't want to do is to <laughs> eliminate all the pussy.
0: <laughs> uh, a it's great not, strategy, yeah. guys. <laughs> I, I, I'm 100% with you. I don't think this is for you, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad experience. I'll have a girls' day I mean?
1: with your wives while you're go- while you're doing this. And,
2: <laughs> and I will say, I don't know if I can justify the price point, even at a I split can larp too. price <laughs> right now. Uh it still seems excessively expensive for what you're doing but it if you could take the price out of it completely it's something i would be in line tomorrow to do right away and i would absolutely love doing it so i don't know if they fluctuate the price at some point if there is a way to break it down yeah, a little up, easier if
0: they if up they have it here that's that's where they fluctuate it goes up from yeah, from the five thousand yeah. we know about
2: yeah, it's you're probably dead on there, but <laughs> it, it you said it best. Where on uh, one of your tweets on how this is a has gone from a never to a what, what exactly did you say? It's it's not a never experience anymore.
0: It's
2: it's gone from uh, it's not in the never category for you anymore. And yeah. it's definitely I'm I feel the same way. It's not in the never category. If there was some way to figure out a chance to do it that I could justify the price, I would be all in and I would have. A hell of
0: a time for two and a half days, so we are doing a podcast, a niche within a niche within a niche, and this follows that in a different way, but uh I think it delivers on what was promised. It's very focused. Uh, as I said, if you're an introvert, it's not for you. If your annual vacation budget is less than five thousand dollars a year, it's not for you. Really, if if the money matters to you, then this is not for you. That's I think the biggest component here. And if you're not into Star Wars, it's probably not for you as well. But if you can set all that aside, it looks absolutely awesome. If I were to ever do it, Ben, much like yourself, I don't know that this would be uh, something my wife would be interested in at all. But if you got are you a asking larger- me to share, are you asking me to share a bed with you? Uh, maybe Space Ben. I, I think ideally, though, if you were to do this, the the way that I would be willing to do it would be if we had a group of people that are all willing to commit to it, and that's yeah. how it would be fun. Now, at the same time, though, if we're all committing you know three, four or five thousand dollars to do it, are there better experiences that that same group could have? If, yeah. we, if we had a week on a Disney cruise ship or any cruise ship, would that be more fun? If we had a week anywhere else in the country, would that be more fun? Remains to be seen. But I I think that Disney succeeded in this. The price point is probably a necessity because of how few rooms that they've made and the operational complexity that this has. Uh-huh. <laughs> to, to jump on the uh, the negative side of things, though. I I really dislike that they're committing to this timeline. And I could see in the future different cruises with the original trilogy and sequel trilogy. um, And the market's going to dictate which one of those is more popular. But like the land, the only timeline that should matter in Star Wars is a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. There's nothing else that they should lock into a specific timeline if you want to have a Star Wars land. Uh And then the the bigger issue that I have with the hotel is that so much of what was delivered here was promised to be part of the land. Yeah. And the the hotel is a $5,000 paywall paywall. The park has a $130 paywall. So that's where, if you want to be disappointed, if you want to be angry about it, it's that price point. And that's no way around that. Unless Disney drops this to like the cost of a regular deluxe resort.
2: Well, it, You know, and what they should do is, yes, a lot of this was promised for the land. It's been put behind this paywall now. But now that they've tested some of this stuff, they've seen some of the reactions to it, you know what they should do is put some of this stuff in the land and go, you know what? If you liked the last hour that you spent here at Oga's interacting with these deals, we've got another experience for you. It's a a little taste to get you to commit to do the bigger hotel experience that they – and I think I would be okay with that. If we, if, if we start seeing some attention given back to the park, kind of like a back and forth, mm-hmm. add a little something to the hotel, but don't do it at the expense of not adding anything in our experiences into Galaxy's Edge. Add a little there, then go back and add a little to the hotel. Go back and forth a little bit. That would make me not feel so bad about exactly what you just said about how we were promised this stuff and never got any of it in the land itself. Doesn't mean that they can't now go back and add some of this stuff to the land. Add a few of these characters that can interact with day guests, but they're also there for the purpose of interacting with those hotel guests. Right. Uh, Add to the story that way. But if you do something like that, it at least gives those people uh, who aren't staying at the hotel, some of those things that you promised them from the get go, just by going to the land itself.
0: So, it was suggested, I believe, on Jim and Len's show that when the hotel guests are in Batu, that they could open up the resort to other people. So, like, you get a tour of the resort. I would be down for something like that. And I've participated in the Wild Africa Trek. I think when I did it, it was like 250 bucks. If they are able to give a tour of the hotel, get some access to the interactivity as well as a meal, uh, there's a price point there where I'm definitely a buyer as long as it's uh, triple digits and not uh, quadruple digits for the first number of the five. Um, uh, I think that's something that is going to happen sooner rather than later. I also think this is going to be a Disneyland forward project. I think that is – I think
2: that uh, too. I, I think that's going to happen. I will say uh, about that experience, about when the people are on Batu and bringing other people on – I would be okay with that as long as it's not at the expense of exhausting the cast members who are working in the hotel because that is the one thing that everybody has come back and said is that the cast members are fantastic. Uh, You're you're paying for them, you're paying for the entertainment and especially on a cruise-like situation, they've got to have some downtime to be able to have that energy for when you do come back on the ship to finish out that night. So as long as it's not done at the expense of just wearing those cast members out just to make a few extra bucks. I'm okay with it. I, I, we go on a lot of cruises and you can tell the downtime when, you know, when, when the people that you see on the ship during the week, when they finally get that, you know, six hour break, it's nothing, but they, they need that to have that energy to carry on for that full experience for the rest of your, your time there. The, uh, that's, that's my only worry about, taking those downtimes those those hours and trying to you know rush more people in it just means a lot of work for those ones who are already there so uh you know as long as it doesn't hurt the actual experience itself i, I would be okay with it
0: there were a couple of effects that we saw in video and uh I, i'm guessing most of the listeners of our show also listen to Jim and Len's show uh one of those effects was a Yoda projection that literally brought Len to tears. And it sounds like in the room itself that this was wildly impressive. And then the other one was the actual uh, lightsaber, uh, light- lighting up of the lightsaber that Ray does, both of which on um, videos that I watched looked very impressive. I think there is commentary on both uh, the transition, ben, know- though. <laughs> yeah, exactly, Josh. Josh. So I, I think you watched the. You definitely watched the lightsaber. Did you watch the Yoda projection as no, well? I did not. Okay. okay. So uh, let's talk about the lightsaber first. Uh, yeah, that transition's a little rough. But if anybody hasn't seen it. And I don't think we're really spoiling it for people because, let's be honest, our, uh, our our listeners are probably not going to be doing this. They're If they're not giving us money on our Patreon that we don't have, then they're not going to be spending <laughs> money on this. But anyway, um, that uh, lightsaber, that is a pretty cool wow moment when she lights that thing up. It's then immediately replaced by the very awkward transition to the lightsaber that you can actually battle with. I don't know what can be done there other than maybe have her go through a door or... Or an acting uh, class. Or an acting class well, or pushing, <laughs> pushing some fog that, through it, but...
2: Those initial videos actually don't do that entire scene justice. Um, okay. I don't know if you've seen, but especially out uh, that one... The first one that came out, in the top like right corner of the video, you see like a something swinging in the air. Mm-hmm. There's actually another effect where Kylo Ren uses the force to make a huge piece of the ceiling fall down yeah, on the yeah. guest above you and swing. So she lights that lightsaber up. He does something with the force that's supposed to distract you to look straight up. Yeah, that makes that's sense. And that's when she does the switch. But whoever was shooting that just stayed yeah, so- on that shot. So it's still not a good transition, but...
0: It's it, better. It's, and, no, that's a good point. That's thing. a great point. There's, a,
2: there's yeah. a distraction. I think they could do a little bit better job of hiding it. But they the the what we've seen in those videos is not the true experience. So you, I mean, sure. this is a huge chunk of the ceiling that does a falling effect above you and starts swinging in the air.
0: You're going to be looking at that. You get a you get a spark. You get some noise that comes with that, and you've immediately diverted your attention. So you're probably right. And yes. That This is one of the flaws with watching this on YouTube and trying to experience it on YouTube, where we're, we're angled with whatever the camera is angled at. So if the camera is focusing on Ray then we miss the diversion that is intentional. So And that, let's face it, the fair. art
1: the art of cinematography is really something I've come to appreciate after in by living in a world where everyone's shooting shit on their phones. Yep. <laughs> because people are just so abysmally bad at photographing that's anything fair. and that's videoing fair. things especially. So I agree with you there.
0: So the other one, and Josh I strongly encourage you to seek this out. Uh this was explained as if you went through the full um uh full slate of activities you had to do on Batuu, uh you were rewarded with a more private meeting with uh Rey and another was it, I don't know if it was another Jedi or uh, some somebody else uh on the resistance, and that you receive a transmission from Yoda. And that huh. transmission comes through a Holocron And I guess in the room, this looks like it's the real thing. Like you would anticipate, you would see it in a movie. Uh, Again, you have a video that can zoom in on the actual device that produces this. And the quote-unquote secret is a little bit easier to understand. But I would imagine in a dimly lit room, this is a very impressive effect. Uh, I think, Ben, you and I on the first viewing caught exactly how they did it. Um, Yeah. But again in the in the room this this looks like a legit thing and probably it's it's done a totally different way but probably akin to the ray hologram or uh, uh, yeah i guess we'll call it a hologram in rise of the resistance in the pre-show where it's a very good effect it looks like it's being projected in the room and you're not totally sure how it's being done can you get skinamax on that holocron I think you can, actually. That'd be um, awesome. Unfortunately, it's going to be Yoda species only. Uh, so. hey, I'm, I'm willing to try new things. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there, there's some uh, impressive effects here. And what's a little bit confusing, though, is that Yoda effect, it sounds like there, there may be at most a couple dozen people in the room when that takes place. So there is a big chunk of people that are paying $5,000 and yeah. don't get to experience this. So Which, uh, you know, that's – from what
2: I understand, that's one of the first times you see Ray, and and kind of kick off that story. But I I have not seen anything from the First Order side, which I would think that's true. Is there a similar experience with Kylo in a room? Uh, you know, you're working with me now. We've got to do this and that. So, which is very interesting to me. I think there's a lot of stuff that we have not seen yet, and sure. I kind of hope we don't see a whole lot of it in case we do get to do these things. So, uh, but yeah, I mean it's. I hate to say it. All the stuff I've seen is it's definitely I know we kind of crapped on it and we gave it a hard we time. We definitely crapped on it. I think uh, I think we they, were
0: proven wrong to a certain yep, extent. Yep. I think I I am
2: comfortable with saying that. We're not I'm still not comfortable saying we're proven wrong that the price is uh way out <laughs> of whack, <laughs> right, but right. the experience itself uh I have loved everything that I've seen come from it so far, especially lin- line dancing. I think yes. Tim nailed
1: it when he said it isn't for me. But I'm glad I'm glad to see that they executed it well. Because right. I it's kind of I'm kind of bored with just having negative things to say about Disney. The problem is they yep. just keep doing stuff that makes me feel negative. So you know, what do yep. you do?
2: Yeah. You gotta,
0: gotta give them their flowers when they're when they're due. Gold well, Star. <laughs> we, we wouldn't be our show if we you uh, tried. We weren't crapping on them. But I I, I think in this case You tried. <laughs> really selfishly, I just wish the price point was lower. Uh because at five thousand dollars for two oh, yeah, nights, let's, let's talk a, about it.
1: what. What does the price point have to be to get each of us to go do this experience?
0: So, I look at it. So, if it's if it's two nights, what can you add to a trip? Because that two two nights isn't a vacation, right? So, I mean, I suppose if you do a long weekend, that's possible. But for for me, I think it's got to be three thousand dollars for for a couple.
1: I'm more in the $1,500 range, so I'm, I'm never going to get to do it.
0: But I mean that like 1500 uh if you've got two nights at a uh, Disney Deluxe Resort, that's 1500 bucks now.
1: Yeah, that's where I come up with that number.
0: So you would rather you're, have a monorail. Well, that's, that's the thing. So uh, this goes into where this value is for you versus uh, somebody else that – this isn't. Uh, let's say, let's say this is a Back to the Future experience as opposed to a uh, a Star Wars experience. Whatever trilogy you were fond of uh, in your youth, does the A Debbie does Dallas experience? D- does the intellectual property matter to you in this case, Josh? No, not at all. Okay, okay. I mean, this is I mean, a well, let me let me rephrase that. Strictly because- an economics dis- discussion, though. It's it's. Well, I want to I want to
1: back I want to. Change what I just said. The intellectual property doesn't matter to me in so much as the fact that it's based on movies. Yeah. It it looks kind of cool. I mean, I like space and it is space. It's not, it's more, you know, uh, what do they call them space opera than it is like pure it's science. Western, but yeah. But um, you know, I would I would rather it be Star Trek that would get me okay. in, because to me that was more hardcore space, and that would be something I'd be excited to pay a lot more for. But I do care about it, the intellectual property from the standpoint that There's a story there. And I I think, you know, even me who doesn't really care that much about Disney films and likes rides just for sort of what they are, what part of what they are is the story. So I do think that there's going to be a massive contribution from that IP. I mean, the reason those films were so successful is because it's a compelling story. So if they're able to translate that into what they're offering in a, you know, real world experience, then yeah, that that would be appealing to me from that perspective.
0: I mean, I, I think this goes into just the supply-demand curve. Are we at a point where $5,000 still gets them to fill every room? And if that's the case, then that's what the price is going to stay at. Right. Mm-hmm. And,
1: and what pricing – do you think that they're trying to do like a skimming model where at first they're trying to take the top-crust customers that are willing to pay a lot and that they have the intention of bringing the price down over time? Because that – that, with that a lot would of be new,
0: unprecedented for Disney. It for would be. And down.
1: that's what I would say is with a lot of new offerings that are unknown, that is the pricing model that, that people, mm-hmm. that companies use, especially if there's a niche group of people that are willing to, that they know are willing to pay. But I can't imagine that Disney's strategy is that it seems to me like this is probably going to be the starting point for this. And the, the thing that, the thing that concerns me the most is what we've seen is that usually what the bloggers and vloggers get, isn't what the guests three years later get. So, how is Disney going to treat this, both in terms of the expense they're willing to pay to keep the show at opening day levels versus what they're going to charge the guest? And are those going to diverge or is it going to get to be a better value over time? That's, to me, what's very interesting about this.
2: I, it's such an unknown on, on this experience. Nothing like it has really ever been done before that I wonder if they're just trying to get their baseline and trying to figure that out and, and- – You know, if people stop booking this a year from now, they obviously have to figure out how to address that. We don't know if that's going to be the case. You know, what's the – it seems like it does have a pretty good return value. uh, But what's the return value outside of one time you go and you're part of the resistance. The next time you go, you're part of the first order. You know, then you've played both storylines. Is it worth doing it again? You know, there's – The concept
1: of doing this multiple times, I I don't even have the ability to – from, from an economic perspective to even get my head around that, that no, this would I, be something that people are going to keep doing, you know? But
2: for at least on the top, top level that there's sure. a I certain mean, them, fandom that plays it twice and they're done. You know, mm-hmm. do you, do you go play it again? Uh, there's a lot of availability later in the year. It's not like it is booked a year out solid at, at right now at launch, uh, mm-hmm.
0: at opening. What do,
1: you, do you think they're actually fully saturated right now? Or are they, are they operating at a less it than hundred percent s- capacity
0: level? It seems like it's less. I think less this than, is, I think this is at a hundred percent. You do. Okay. I I don't think that the parks certainly aren't, but I think this, and that's probably, that's gotta be the motivation behind the price point beyond just the experience being that good that this, this requires more than just computing power. This requires manpower to, uh, to make this work behind the scenes. And I I mean, I know that it's a movie and a television show, but the uh, uh, WDI project codename for this was project Delos. And that's uh, an obvious reference – not even a reference. It's a, it's a flat-out uh, direct reference to to Westworld. And that was something – the target there was repeat customers and uh, banging robots. So was if they say, open if it that That's
2: $6,000, <laughs> well, I'll mean.
0: I, I think it, it really <laughs> is intended to be that level of uh, realism. And you can't kill anybody. You can't sleep with anybody uh but yeah, this that's is that <laughs> say confirmed
1: say that out yet? loud again and listen very carefully the, yeah, to every, your words this
0: <laughs> is this is about as close to that in today's world that currently exists so you 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 need to uh in, in, at least appreciate that aspect of it so from a fantasy role play larping standpoint they've they've hit that in a two day in uh, a two-day offering. So, so if you could only do one, would you prefer to go there and kill someone or go there and sleep with them? So it depends on uh, the, the people in question. That's Me. Really the- Josh, <laughs> you. I John- so playing F. Mary Kill with the Marty <laughs> Call hosts. All right, yeah. submit your answers now. To uh- <laughs> oh,
1: I just got killed twice.
2: <laughs> now, Josh, you did see it. I'm not joking on this. There is a sign now uh, at the front of the hallway that lead down to where the rooms are uh, requesting people to please keep the noise down um, because it claims that people are sleeping, but it also uh, has been some insinuation that there's uh, some loud noises that can be heard because you knows, uh, maybe the walls are a little thin. Who knows? But uh, <laughs> but so what? Is, ne- what I've is, never I- been on a cruise that had a, ha- a sign at the hallway saying, "Hey, uh, keep it keep, down, keep it down, guys." Uh, I paid so- five thousand
1: dollars for this. I'm going to be hanging from the <laughs> ceiling. But- <laughs> How? What is the over under on how many days before the first only Fion stream comes out of that place?
0: Oh, it's happening. There's definitely been. Uh, I'm sure that there's been chat cams and things like that going on there, where you, okay. you've got swingers conventions that are going to take place there. It's really See, now be, this. Uh, be so fun. we're getting
1: closer to the sort of product offering that I'm interested in.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, I mean, in all seriousness, the the price point for me. Let's say I'm a I'm a buyer at three thousand for a couple. I think that's a realistic price point for me. Ben, yeah. where are you
2: at? For a couple, yeah. Eh, yeah, still. I mean, I'm about to pay about that price for three days at Universal with full express the entire time. And so so that,
0: these are the things you gotta you gotta weigh it against, and yeah. Obviously, if you're at $5,000, your limit to where you can travel to is pretty low. If you've got $5,000 plus the flights to get there, let's say $6,000 for travel, there's a lot you can do uh, for a Mm -hmm. vacation for $6,000.
2: Yeah, I still don't know if I'm at the – it's enough entertainment for $3,000. It still seems a tiny bit high, but it's Disney. I get it. You're paying a bit of a premium. If that's the best price it's going to be, that – I don't think we'd ever see it anywhere close to that number, but that's that's probably where I would have to be to really yeah. justify the thing.
0: Okay. Why don't we move away from uh, Galactic Star Cruiser? Our main topic is one that we've been wanting to do for a while. Uh, we are going to each come up with our own ideas for a fifth gate, or we actually already have. Uh, we had some rules, as we always do. Those were we needed a park icon. We needed to have at least four lands Uh, We needed an anchor attraction for each land. Uh, And in this case, because we're trying to come up with an entire park, we don't need like a scene-by-scene for any of those attractions. It's just general ideas here. Uh, uh, Ben suggested a location on property. I didn't really adhere to that. But uh, transportation systems, that was more for Josh. And then we have some other rules. existing marble contract is still in place. Uh, We threw out the idea of a dedication plaque. And we eliminated a couple of things, most notably a not a nostalgia park. That's been something thrown out by by fans. And I just think the that is just not realistic. So uh, we each were given these very vague marching orders. We each came up with our own ideas. We do not know what everyone else came up with, although I have some ideas on Josh's. I think you're like your monorail world, basically like Bob's <laughs> world. And it's all the various <laughs> modes of transportation he's to come up with. Is that what you did? It would have been better than the idea I came up with. (laughs) Why did not you kick us off since I've already shat on your idea before hearing it? Sure. So I actually struggled with this a lot. I think it was kind of a hard assignment.
1: It's too vague
0: uh, of a topic. (laughs) I
1: I approached it from – well, I I tried to approach it from the standpoint of solving problems. So – If I were to try and convince the board to approve the massive amount of money it would take to build a fifth gate, what would my tent poles be for explaining why this is a worthwhile investment? Mm -hmm. And the two things that I came up with, well, I don't know if it's actually two, but the the two main things were addressing issues with capacity, especially in Magic Kingdom, and also addressing the problem that despite having 27,000 acres owned – that there is a, there's a very limited amount of space that is actually thematically appropriate for the kinds of attractions that they want to put in now that they have committed themselves to having a ride representation of all of their success or many of their successful movie franchises. Did you steal and my
0: notes? Because we are we approach this from a very similar angle and I'm sure we're going to come up with totally different answers. I but, love it. Uh, that yeah. makes me feel at least a
1: little bit vindicated that I wasn't completely yep. out in my field. Um, so what I came up with is a part that the name here, this is, I think they call it like a workshopping name or, a, you know. Yeah, a, I got a lot a, of that as well. Yeah. He's America. Yep. Yeah, yeah. The idea I, I had was basically Fantastic Kingdom or Fantasy Kingdom. Son of a bitch. Because <laughs> when I look at rides that are. <laughs> i would are, go with magic, magic, I think works. Magic Kingdom? <laughs> extra Magic Hours <laughs> Kingdom. Um, it seems to me like most of the rides that we've complained about being put in the wrong place. Probably belonged in Fantasyland. I think there are exceptions there, but I think that's probably, you know, if you were to do like a word I mean, cloud, Frozen of, is the one
0: we complain about the most, and that yeah, one I mean that's an easy
1: one sense. to to point to, right? I wouldn't it, say
0: that the C's necessarily belong in, in Fantasyland, but yeah, agreed. But anyway, continue. Sorry.
1: Yeah, but I mean the idea is if. The, the problem is that, okay, they have 27,000 acres of space, but they have 100 acres of Magic Kingdom. Fantasyland doesn't have a lot of room left. It did for a while before they did the renovation there, uh, because 20,000 leagues. If you move it to Small World, i huge, suggested that. You have. <laughs> 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 um, you know, there's a lot of space footprint there from 20,000 leagues, but that's pretty much been taken up by Mine co- uh, you know, the Mine Train. Mine, that's what it's called, right? Mine, mine train. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> so there, there's an opportunity in my opinion, to create something that is related to magic kingdom, but is more focused on the fantasy part, because honestly, that's the part where they need more room. And it's the part where they're the most competent. They are not good at Tomorrowland. <laughs> you know, the actual Tomorrowland movie
0: generation, there's been nine different versions. under uh, different Exactly. Names.
1: Which is pretty much the, all, all <laughs> the evidence I need to show you that my point is valid. They don't seem to have a lot of interest in developing IP that is future related. And that's where Tomorrowland would be valuable to them. So that means by proxy, Tomorrowland isn't that valuable of a space because it's not consistent with the films that they want to make. And they've committed themselves to making their rides based on IP. So Tomorrowland seems to be the opportunity. So we create a new park that's heavily focused on that. And I would situate it basically where Gary Hall's apartment is. So there's (laughs) going to be some – Disney eminent domain going on. We're we're probably going to have to. By the way, Gary, you're homeless now. (laughs) He's going to be a big fan of this plan, which sucks because I don't have any place to stay when I go down there either. So this is not self-serving. There is some room there before those apartments, but there's not much. You can stay a uh, Galactic Star Cruiser for a couple of days. Not going to happen. That'll buy you like a month at Bonnet Creek, by the way.
2: He could, have a, he could have a whole couch experience. It's like the Galactic Star Cruiser, I'm sure. <laughs>
1: the couch <laughs> experience. The casting couch. Um, so, anyway, it would be sort of north there, and I guess is that east. Um, and what I would do is, if you look at relatively the northeast end of the existing Tomorrowland and Magic Kingdom, you have Tim's favorite attraction, Peter Pan. Yep. <laughs> I would – that is a, an attraction that I think has a lot of sentimental value to a lot of people, which is – partly to, you know, a way of explaining the lines that are there, because I do agree with Tim that the actual impact of that ride is not on par with the demand that it has. So there's got to be something uh, to it that's, you know, more than just the merits of the ride itself. So this is going to be my chance to let Imagineering come up with a new, uh, you know, flying is a compelling thing. I mean, whether it's Sword or Peter Pan, whatever, there's something that are you people like. The
0: Neverland ranch? I'm no. This is we just,
1: this is not Where a are good you brand. Going with this? <laughs> what I'm going to have is an is an attraction a la Hogwarts Express that allows transportation between Magic Kingdom and the Fantastic Kingdom. Yeah. First, of right? all, called,
0: they're called activations.
1: Okay, that's what they derive from <laughs> uh, from a, a Peter Pan type ride. So it's flying based. I, I don't have any details about that ride system. Would be will
2: Tiger Lily be in it?
1: Yes, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know, that's basically the idea. So you, you land and you have a London portion. You could have a, uh, a, maybe a, a London themed attraction over there. They've wanted to do Mary Poppins stuff for a long time. So you can sort of have a land there that or an area of that land that is dedicated to that, that transitions you into magic kingdom. It's a way for the company to sell admission to two parks at the same time. So it's like park hopping, but better because you have to pay for both and, um, you know, I don't know how that would work with park hopping. Now that I think about it, but the idea I basically money, is Just give
0: throw money at the problem. That's their just approach. Throw
1: money. They, yes, they're certainly <laughs> collecting enough from the guests that they could throw some back into it. And you their- can't park hop it before two. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> it's the, you only have to go twelve miles away to find the answers to these questions. <laughs> But, um, yeah, that's, that's basically all that I came up with because I think that what I'm really trying to do is create a canvas where they have an ability to plop down attractions that they want to put. And I think the black box thing could play into it if there's, you know, a thematic front that they can have some areas which are just. You know, cookie cutter drag and drop so they can respond quickly to films because that seems to be something that they want to do is to be able to cash in on the initial rush of interest that comes after a new movie comes. And I get that. But sometimes in that rush, the quality of the work that you do or your understanding of what the staying power of that uh, IP is is wrong. So this is a way to kind of balance those interests where you can perhaps do something other than a parade or a stage show, something that is a ride, but also not necessarily make the massive investment that you want for something that's going to be a more permanent attraction.
0: So the way that you approach this, the questions that you asked are very similar uh, to the way, to the way that I approach this. One of them, or one of the comments that I made was that it is, it's nearly impossible to design a place and then add to it without diluting the theme or, or yep. the original design. Absolutely. And that's something that I, I definitely concern myself with in this uh, assignment. And I think that's, you you're looking at the problem of we have too many movies that don't have a home how do we how do we identify that so yeah. they they've actually done a pretty good job historically and i uh, eliminating the last 10 years where they find those themes those concepts that can be added to without being further diluted with those additions but the other thing as we were going through this and ben i don't know if you came up to the same question but is An overarching theme to a park necessary because if you look at like the the two most recent parks that that kind of i i thought of here was disney sea and islands of adventure where there's a waterfront tie-in largely in name only um where rather than having the various lands of those parks end in the word land it's a it's port it's island it's uh Uh delta it's, it's something nautical but the the underlying themes are substantially more subtle. Uh, I said this and I came up with an underlying theme, but uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that they have to be there. And if you look at what they're doing over at Epic Universe, there doesn't seem to be a unifying theme to tie it all together. And I don't know that many people care as long as the themed areas themselves, the uh, the lands themselves are cohesive. And I I think that may be an approach that if Disney were to ever build a fifth gate, I think you'd probably see it more in the structure of like a Hollywood Studios type park, where or what Hollywood Studios has evolved into, where you've got a pocket that is Star Wars, a pocket that is Toy Story, uh, that sort of thing. But
1: it's, I was, when you said that it's very hard to add something to a park without diluting its theme, I immediately thought of Studios, and because that really was the easiest. At least hypothetically, park that they've ever built to do that because you just have these bro- yep. you know blocks that are sound stages, and they couldn't even do it there. Although I wonder, for anyone who actually remembers what the road layout of that was when that park opened, <laughs> it was very nonsensical. It was, I mean, it was the not- same
0: as Boston roads. It's there's no logic <laughs> yeah, to it. <laughs> the big
1: dig land. <laughs> uh, it was, it, you know, and maybe that hurt their ability to actually do that just because it was not really a maybe, uh, but. It is, it's an interesting question because I'm always, I have to say that I have a lot more respect and admiration and love for the parks that I experienced as they opened than I do into what they turned into. So I think that's sort of what you're saying is that the operational requirements of growing these things over time uh, has a tendency sometimes to make them worse from the perspective of the overall thematic holistic kind of like uh, unity that they tend to have when they open.
0: If you want to talk thematic integrity, uh, everybody points to Disney Sea as just the, the pinnacle of Imagineering. There's components of that where that thematic integrity has been diluted. Uh, they added Toy Story Mania because in 2008, that was the most popular thing in the world for a Disney park. And all right, where do we put this? I guess we'll put it in like a, a subsection of the American waterfront area. It kind of fits, but not really. And those types of things are, are okay because in japan characters are king and the dilution of a theme is is okay when everything is so well executed but they had grand uh ideas there uh when i when i walked around and looking at shops for example there was a shop that was dedicated to scrooge mcduck and that's my father's favorite character i went in there anticipating being able to buy something for him, because there isn't a lot of Scrooge McDuck merchandise stateside. I went in there. There was nothing other than the decor of the shop that was Scrooge McDuck based. It was like character t-shirts, uh, plush, things like that. And all of those sorts of things are going to happen as the guests kind of push you to a certain direction. If guests want something, that's how you get Pirates of the Caribbean in Florida when you're that close to yeah. the Caribbean.
2: Well, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but it isn't Disney Sea that's – this was pre-pandemic, but that's where they were going to put um, Pandora, should they add Avatar to that park.
0: And I don't, I don't know if that's – that was never announced. I don't know if that was no, ever on that, the table, but
2: – that That's – that was th- – there were at least rumors out there. There was like some blueprints laying around of how this would fit into this oh, yeah. so, uh, expansion like plan that was outside.
0: Yeah, so that was a when, – when they pitched Pandora for Animal Kingdom – they were trying to get them to also put it in Disney City, if I recall. I think you're correct. Yeah. Which you know what?
1: Just- it's kind of crazy to think that the Oriental Land Company is sort of notorious among, you know, people who care about Disney history as being they they would just point to attractions from all over the world and say, We want this, we want that, right? I'm thinking of the right people, am I not? Yeah, you're absolutely yep. right. Yep. But it's interesting that as much as they like that cookie cutter approach, that they've been incredibly good stewards of the of the integrity of of the parks overall. They haven't really succumbed to the pressure that we see in the States where we've got to put this frozen thing here, even if Arendelle is not technically a part of Norway. So it's interesting how much perhaps the Japanese culture plays into how that park uh, shapes over time than as compared to here, where they're just kind of like be damned with the original theme.
0: And they're doing a massive expansion to that right now, and this calls into uh, the point that I made earlier where they it's a Fantasyland expansion. They're calling it Fantasy Springs, so you have a uh, nautical-based uh, uh, word at the end of it, but it's basically instead of Fantasyland, it's Fantasy Springs, so we can put it in the water-based park.
1: Thank God they didn't pick Fantasy Kingdom.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So, uh, Josh, do you have anything further on, on your gate before no, we
1: that, move on the the only other thing that i i had in my notes to consider talking about which i don't think is really necessary is because i don't think it would happen either is if you were to build this tomorrow what misplaced attractions that should be there That's would fair, you take yeah. out of other parks and uh, you already mentioned one which i mean frozen is the obvious one and honestly at this point i i don't know if this is just my heart growing cold and callous but it doesn't bother me the way that it used to
0: Well, because Epcot is a totally different park now, so they've stripped it down (laughs) and it is – It's now kind of the least – it's like if
1: you have a massive head wound and a skinned knee, like Frozen being there is now the skinned knee and the rest of the Epcot is the head wound. It's like (laughs) there's so much wrong there now that Frozen being there doesn't really seem like the problem (laughs) that it did back when they started destroying that place.
2: I have two questions real quick for Josh's park. Um, One, will you have trams in the parking lot? (laughs)
1: <laughs> so no well yes and no
2: i i don't
1: one of i think one of the most amazing aspects of magic kingdom and this sounds ridiculous when you hear it but but hear Gary's me he's
0: actually going to be driving you to the front gate that's the, <laughs> the ttc <laughs>
1: that that layer of immersion by separating the parking lot from the park with an attraction that creates to me, it makes it for, for me, someone like me, who's not a big fantasy guy, except in, you know, one particular category Josh in should life. would spend
0: $5,000 uh, to just go to the TTC. I would not. <laughs> I mean,
1: the TTC is a run down dingy building. You know, it's not an impressive, there's nothing really impressive about the TTC. TTC However, Star Cruiser. <laughs> it is when you, when you go there, it's like you drove there in the car, then you take this other mode of transportation. That level of disorientation and separating you from the real world to me really contributes to that wow moment when you walk into Magic Kingdom.
0: When I had to and walk 17 minutes from my car uh, a few <laughs> months ago, that was fucking disorienting as hell. I don't know what the hell I was.
1: <laughs> There's no other park in the Disney, you know, in Florida that has that. Um, so, so I would want to have. I There's would have, a reason. You guys are killing me tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying so hard here to deliver good pod. <laughs>
0: You're talking about a parking lot as if it's the most magical place on earth. God, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm,
1: saying, I'm saying I don't want the parking lot to be a feature of my park. It's going to be removed <laughs> by fantasy
0: trams. Kay. Trams. That sounds like a uh, sex escapade.
2: <laughs> my, my other question was if where are you going to put horizons in your park and call it like Florizons or something to skirt the rules of no vintage attractions. You don't know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Fantasy Horizons? Fantasy Horizons. Oh, that be... Imagine <laughs> you build the Horizon... You, you build the
1: Horizon show building, you, you use the exact ride system, the queue's exactly like it was, you're at the future port, and then you get in and it's... It's a small world inside there.
0: People. <laughs> no, it'll be. It'll be like a Disney. People
2: would lose their damn minds. Yeah. <laughs> Disney Plus uh, kid shows. That's what it would I be. Can't, I can't get over the TTA Star Cruiser. <laughs> Josh, take this package to the uh, pilot of Monorail Coral. And- <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I
1: would do it. <laughs> I have one of those little pedal bikes from F. <laughs> it's like shows you a
0: minivan. Yeah. Oh, but not forgotten. Box truck. <laughs> I was going
2: to say the box truck where they drop you off at the TTA.
1: You've got to pedal up next to the box truck and jump onto it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> they, they drop you off with all the non-property, uh, off-property hotel buses. That's, uh, that's your- <laughs> Welcome to the box truck, stunt
0: Spectacular. Starring you. <laughs> right. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> ben, would you like to go next, or would you like me to go next?
2: D- d- is yours close enough to Josh's uh, theme to kind of no, stick to stick it's, down it's, that path, or it's different?
0: It's different enough.
2: Uh, if Tim, I go last, let me interpret that, mean... that.
1: Tim's like, no, it's way better.
2: <laughs> I was gonna say, if if I go last, does that mean you'll stop doing yours at some point so you get to me, or do I go now and you'll just ramble on for four hours after I'm done?
0: Yes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Good answer. Damn it! <laughs> Why All right, don't I you go? I'll, I guess I'll go. Uh so I hate it. Mine's called <laughs> oh, Bob, Cha- Bob Chapek World. To- and uh actually it's probably not far off from that. But I came at the angle of this that that's Disney is <laughs> <laughs>
0: that
2: Disney at some point is gonna go, Oh crap, they're building a lot of stuff down the road. We probably should do some stuff to counter that. Um <laughs> We've said it for years and they never have really committed to that, but now with Epic Universe going in there, uh I think at some point maybe our conversation we're having today is is gonna be a bit more of a reality uh, than what it has been over the last maybe twenty years where they've always said we don't we don't need any more, we've got all the capacity, we got all the parks that we need. Their hand might be forced at some point. And I do think when their hand is eventually forced, they're not gonna go down the idea of like what's some cool original concept that we can do. They're gonna go look at those parks and go, what's working for them? What can we do to counter that? And I go back to the unfortunate quote that Bob made about IPs and saying, you know, if, if other people had the IPs we had, they'd be doing the same thing we are. Which leads me to think that when.
0: This another is sad, park, but true. I mean, when another,
2: when another park comes online, it's going to be the most IP based park that you've ever seen in your life. Probably. So <laughs> I'm even going to kind of look at the you know they, they you look at the epic universe name how can they come up with their own version of that and what i came up with is disney's amazing adventures
0: more more it, epic universe yep
2: <laughs> <laughs> amazing adventures is the uh, kind of pseudo name that i threw out there this was going to be a park that is i you know we we've talked about the villains park before and how a villains park would be all thrill rides and stuff like yeah. that and I, I don't think they'll ever go down that route but i do think a park based around adventure and their adventure properties could be done with it not needing to be all thrill ride based. So, uh, I, I do think there's, you can even tap back into Walt in the past with some of the, the, the real life adventures and stuff. He, there is an adventure side to the company, uh, from, from the get go of the park. So many of their movies over the years have been based around, uh, somebody going on an adventure, uh, their biggest spectacles that they make a lot of money on now are all adventure-based. So, we're going to make a theme park around this. I'm picking – there's a huge, huge, huge chunk of land just north of Coronado
0: Springs. That's that exactly, I, exactly what I said. North of Epcot, west of Epcot, all that area. Yeah. Northwest of Epcot is the the most logical location. Gary just yeah,
1: started unpacking all this
2: shit.
0: Other than, Gary, <laughs> other than Gary's apartment. <laughs>
2: i'm i'm definitely not the kill right now on the fma kill. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> i get to keep my house <laughs> like that, dude. uh and the reason i'm picking the Coronado springs area is because of the park icon that uh, i think for an adventure-based park you could go something really 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 cool something mm-hmm. that they haven't done before and give it give it a sense of you know that there's 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 All different angles you could take from it. I'm a huge fan of the Luxor Pyramid in Las Vegas. Okay. So, to me, it's not the best hotel. It's not the best casino. It's far from it. But it still catches your eye every time you hit that strip. Every time you're flying in, you see that pyramid. I'm going with a pyramid as the middle of the park icon here. I and and We're going to call it the
1: pyramid scheme.
2: The pyramid scheme. I would love the imagineers to do their take on a pyramid. It, it, I'm not saying this is Egyptian. I'm not saying it's a this is, uh, <laughs> is <for> <laughs> it's,
1: it's Disney's it's a Illuminati cube. Park is what it is. It's our <laughs> take on a pyramid. Uh,
0: but
2: the entrance of the park would be Why a is lot it like circular. That's right. Uh the entrance of the park would be a lot like Animal Kingdom. Uh, pathways, tunnels, not necessarily merchandise and everything like a main street, but it would funnel you I, into – I made a similar
0: point, not with reference to the animal kingdom, but not a merchandise corridor is what I put in my yeah. interest. I'm funneling you all into
2: this large pyramid that inside this pyramid would house shopping. It would house dining. <laughs> it would be – it would be cavernous on the inside. I'm not thinking the size of the Luxor, but half the size of the Luxor or something like that. So this is a huge piece of the land. Nobody wants but- to make
0: a cavernous on the inside joke? No, make it twice the size of the Luxor.
1: What are well- you doing? <laughs> Seven-minute abs. <laughs> Son
2: of a bitch. Uh, the, the, the key piece inside here, though, that you're shopping, you're dining, but also on the inside is where you would find your nighttime spectacular. This would be... Oh, that's cool. Uh, a lot like the... Uh, I'm going to go back to Vegas, the Fremont street experience, you know, the using the inside of the pyramid for, uh, lasers for projections for whatever it's an indoor nighttime spectacular that will never get rained out. It'll never get canceled. It's, it can be run. It can run all day. It can, you can run it at one in the afternoon. You can run it at five. You can run it at 10 o'clock.
1: You're going to have to Uh, rename it.
2: True. It's an all day spectacular. Uh, But th- this is going to be more than just a uh, walk through like the castle with a restaurant in it. This is going to be a destination area for the park. But this is also where it's going to funnel out to the different lands and the lands for mine. F- the the best term, I couldn't come up with necessarily names for the lands, but it's it's along the lines of like adventures by land, adventures by sea, adventures by air, uh, adventures by fantasy. I had fantasy in there as well. Okay. Uh, my my land area uh as funny as this is it's it's land in the sense that it's not uh by sea and by sea I'm taking like the oceans uh you know the true
0: it's Paul Revere in this park in any anyway
2: at some point okay. uh my e ticket though is going to be in the land area and it's a uh, it's going to be jungle cruise but it's okay. going to be using the Shanghai Pirates technology, because I don't think we're ever going to get a Shanghai a Pirates version of that ride over here, especially not one built around Johnny Depp and no, his status. But I think you look at the money that the current Jungle Cruise movie made, and I think there's probably uh, – as the, the Rock is as safe a celebrity out there as you can possibly get as far as building an attraction around. He, he understands his image. He understands everything that goes on with his life that you can – safely invest the money into building a jungle cruise no, attraction I- and putting him in there.
1: Be- better idea. John Cena meet and greet. You don't have to pay anyone to even do it.
2: I got fine. <laughs> I'm fine with that. Uh, but that's, I want the Shanghai ride over in this park, uh, the, the the Shanghai pirates ride system. And uh, I think you can do it around the jungle cruise. They've already committed to the sequel. This is going to be a massive franchise for them moving forward. This is, this is the way to get, those characters into this area uh i also wanted some some dark rides again this is we've talked jungle book we've talked you know lion king i i'm looking at the sense of the what they did with beauty and the beast uh in hong kong which park am I, i've gone blank which That's one tokyo. Is, uh, tokyo tokyo Disneyland. tokyo i want dark rides i love dark rides but i want the next iteration of the dark ride i consider th- those are e-ticket dark rides uh but I don't care. It's not my money. Spend it and do these things right. Uh, but that's that's kind of what I'm thinking for my land area by sea. I'm stealing, a, you know, our rule of stealing two attractions. I'm stealing the twenty thousand leagues uh, attraction from Tokyo Disney Sea, bringing that over. Uh, if we I can did have not a sec- set a
0: budget for this, just to be clear to anybody listening, this <laughs> yep. is uh, this is totally open ended. Uh,
2: so I'm bringing that over there to this this land, a, a water based area. Uh, if I can steal a little more money. I would bring the Nautilus walkthrough from Disneyland Paris over as well, because I think that's really cool uh, and very underrated attraction. Uh, This also though, this is my expansion area for uh, they are, you know, rebooting pirates. If this next reboot does well, this is where we can put some uh, pirates from the new movies, attractions in there. You could also bring in over some of the Nemo stuff that you see over in Tokyo Disney sea as well. Some of those, you know, bring a carousel coaster, bring something in there. Uh, by fantasy, I'm also going, you've got movies like Brave, you've got movies like Tangled, uh, stuff that we would love to see in other parks, just like Josh said with the fantasy side, but there's just no no good place to put them right now. So I would dedicate a whole area that we can put these fantasy attractions in and not have to shoehorn them into, uh, you know, not have to shoehorn being Red into, uh, you know, China or actually the Canada Pavilion at Epcot when when uh, they decided to put the new Pixar movie in anywhere uh, since it takes place in Toronto. Put it here. You wanted that? Put it here. We'll we'll give you some land. The other was by space, by air, by space. Uh, And the reason I put space is because this is where we're going to put our Star Wars expansion because that's inevitably going to come down the line. They're going to go – the. I believe at some point they go the the Harry Potter route and we see Star Wars and other parks – Tim's gonna I mean, bitch about it enough to do stuff around the original trilogy. Well, guess what? <laughs> this expansion is based around the original trilogy. We'll give you those characters here. I don't think they'll ever go back and do it in Galaxy's Edge. The better chance of having something happen is by doing it in another park all, uh, all together. So, but
1: from a business perspective, could you? Can you even blame them for not for putting it in a different park? I mean, it, it almost no, seems like malpractice no. not to.
2: Yeah. Yep. Nope. And that's why you know. Do you want it to go in EPCOT? Do you want to go to Magic Kingdom? You want to go no, to Animal Kingdom? No. Nope. So we gotta build a new park, and that's what the the probably the biggest cornerstone cornerstone of this park would be whatever expansion they want to do to Star Wars and putting that in another area. They they there's a reason Universal's putting Harry Potter in three different parks. It works. Yes. People we found pay the thing to that go. works. Yep. Right. And it saves their theme park, so let's yep. continue to use it. Disney, you've got that property. It's Star Wars. Put uh, would any of us be shocked if there was an expansion to Tomorrowland at some point down the line when they realize the same? I mean, it's it's the inevitable next step with the Star Wars franchise. Now the galaxy has a open. Star
0: Wars attraction in their Tomorrowland right now.
2: Yep. Yeah. Yep. So-, <laughs> so let's let's not make them put it into one of our parks that I we can, already have. Let's build that new a- park and put it there.
1: Yeah, I, I would. I didn't mean to derail you. I'm sorry. I was just thinking. Tomorrowland to me seems like a very unprotected space there. There is nothing sacred, I think, in management's eyes about any of the lands, but especially Tomorrowland.
2: Yep. Yeah, that's fair. So, yeah, this uh, this being built in that plot of land north of Coronado Springs, because this is, uh, in my opinion, a pretty massive park, uh, but it's built- with the whole concept in mind, just like you said, it's I, I kind of have an underlying theme to why we're here and why these areas are there, but there really isn't one. You really could put whatever you want to in this park, right. and they need a park like that that because we've all gotten so upset with them dumping things into different sections that the the best solution is to build a park that is for I don't know if this is the right term, but generic enough. That anything can go here and nobody will bitch about it. Yeah, and that's what the it, it, it's it's without a doubt ripping off the epic universe mindset because there is no rhyme or reason to anything that's going to an epic universe outside of everything you're going to do here is going to be epic. That's 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 the theme of that park, and so.
0: No, we did it, crap on that name for what it's worth.
2: But. Oh, it's not a good name, and I'm not saying my name's good either, but it's that's what it – that's that's when they build a fifth park, that's what the park is going to be like. It's going to be that yeah. thing that we can just throw whatever we need to in there to counterpunch whatever they're doing down the road, and uh, this is my idea behind doing that. So, so
1: It sounds uh, like we all kind of have a common thread in our answers. Trying yep. to find a
0: place to put stuff, stuff. that doesn't really have a home. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yep. Stuff land.
0: Now, did Disney's Kaleidoscope Park ever enter the uh, dialogue for your name options?
2: Uh, Disney's America did for a little bit, okay. <laughs> um, but I heard that had a lot of backlash behind it. And Josh was the only one that liked that park, so we skipped it.
0: So, uh, <laughs> no, there, there was something where, and I, I this is this uh, show conceit was, has been going on for months behind the scenes with us and i had something where i i had a dynamic that i wanted in my park and as i dug a little bit further in my research for that dynamic i came up with like where did smell vision theaters originate and they originated at a world's fair and i was like what if i do a permanent world's fair as my idea <laughs> it'll <laughs> never work um no ahead. I was going to say, my, my, I did
2: one, have one caveat here, There if I do this park open, uh, the one thing that I'm actually insanely excited about for Epic Universe is them being committed to do a land based on the horror monster movies. Right. Like, that took some balls to say, hey, we're going to take these old IPs that don't really resonate with a young crowd at all anymore, but we're going to make th- a thrill ride around it and hopefully kind of... Scare the crap out of you a little bit while we're doing it. Like, not everything has to be, uh, you know, Mario Kart and happy and shiny and bright. It can be a little scary. So my space area, I now that they own the franchise, uh, I want an Aliens, Uh, Uh, Nostromo Escape attraction. Scare the shit out of you. Chase you around. Have that one ride in the park that is maybe not for kids at all, but something that makes the adults go, this is really cool. So, Did you ever ride the Excess Tech
1: uh, attraction that was in Tomorrowland back in the day?
2: One of my favorite things they've ever put in the parks. Yeah, that was a very good ride.
0: One of my favorite Rebstock family stories is uh,
1: based on that ride.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know if I know that story. (laughs) Ben, why don't you tell it? Because, you know, it's funny.
2: (laughs) So... You know, when the alien escaped, the lights would go out, things would be breathing on your neck or pushing down on your shoulders, this and that. And it was myself and my dad would sit on each side of my mom and when the lights go out, we would, you know, rub brush our hands against her face or top of her head. <laughs> and she would uh she would get out of that thing talking about how the thing was touching her and and you know, how did they do that, how do they do the effects and it took us forever before we finally told her it was us that was doing I do that. Remember when, that now. Like, it's like, a great like story.
0: over multiple trips, right? <laughs> multiple trips. <laughs> See, I really appreciate
1: your ability to keep a secret that the long. long. Like, that's impressive. Yeah, I love about it. <laughs> it really is good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> your poor mother. So uh, because we kind of all started from that same same spot, I, w- I had a, a separate bullet point. How did I get here for my idea that I was going to talk about at the end? But I think I'm going to start there. And because we we touched upon it. So I had uh, two different areas that I focused on. One, and I've mentioned this before, I really like the idea of a theater district in a Disney park. And I think I suggested it in the Hollywood Studios build-out show, and I keep on coming back to that idea because of the flexibility of a space like that. So that was one idea that I had. And then the other one was the same exact approach that you guys came down with, with knowing that a Disney park needs to be IP-driven right now. I looked at the successful movies that didn't have a true home in the adventure, futurism, fantasy land, European fairy tale genre, and tried to find an all-encompassing theme for that. And the theme that I came up with was family. Uh, and family is in itself a very generic term. And I kind of like that about it as a concept. So I focused on how can I tie everything that I put into this park back to family? So however you define family that fits in this park, whether it's blood, whether it's friends, it's a very broad definition for a very broad word. And if you don't want to dilute a theme, you need to have an underlying theme be that broad. So I brought that down from a uh, – uh, from like that high level and I know that – I knew that I wanted my theater district. So those are the two things I had. It's going to be about family and it's going to have a theater district in it. I, I can build you like a, th- what,
2: $65 million theater? That was yeah, a actually, part of my – <laughs> <picture. So laughs> It was a lot more than that. You were, you need you were some, nine
0: <laughs> figures on your If you need theater. somebody to build a theater
2: for you, let me know. Yeah, yeah so that no, is going like to be – theaters.
0: We're going to give full creative control to the theater district, to Ben. Uh, (laughs) He's been given a budget of $6.2 trillion for the the theater district. Um, Lin-Manuel Miranda is going to perform in person every show. (laughs) So so much like Ben and Josh, uh, I'm not married to any of the names that I've – assigned to uh, both the park itself and the lands. Uh, Some of them I just flat out stole from Disney history, including the name of the park itself. Uh, I called it Disney's Magic Journeys. And what I was originally thinking and tried to do a little bit of digging on, if you guys have ever heard uh, uh, Jim Hill do his research pieces where he's basically reading uh, his, his research material, he refer- he tries to uh, interchange different words for Disneyland and Magic Kingdom. And one that he always drops in is Walt's Family Fun Park. And I thought for some reason that that had a, uh, uh, some sort of origins within the company and I couldn't find any. But if anybody knows if that is actually a... Maybe an original name for something or what his original pitch was, where they use that that name, Walt's Family Fun Park. Um, that's kind of where I started this at. So I uh, I then came up with a dedication plaque, uh, which you guys failed to do. Shame Oops. on you. Ben, did you do it or no?
2: Here lies the park of today, tomorrow, and
0: to counter Universal Studios. Got it. <laughs> okay. Uh, mine was not too dissimilar from ones that existed, so when- I said. Through these gates, you will experience the
2: intellectual properties that we have come to love throughout the years and made a lot of money
0: on. The success of this park park is not driven by the the 10-hour waits that fall
2: fall behind these doors. We hope you liked that tram ride. We hope you did very much.
1: To all who entered this expensive place, welcome.
2: (laughs) Have you tried the Galactic Star Cruiser? (laughs) Churros are $9. Uh (laughs) ATMs are found under the train station.
0: <laughs> so I'm going to take that as uh, you guys didn't uh, come up with dedication plaques. That's no. I just <laughs> <No. laughs>
1: you read you read those tea leaves correctly, my friend. Okay,
0: well I did. Uh, shame on you. And what's funny is that like all of our joke ones kind of tied into it. So it was, uh, to to all who come to this place of joy, kindness, and family, welcome. Magic Journeys is inspired by Walt Disney's love of family. Here, that love of family is celebrated through stories and adventures that we all share together. So relatively generic and pretty much in line with how they write these things. It's basically
1: a hybrid between the Magic Kingdom plaque and the Illuminations intro. To those
0: who (laughs) dissimilar, to
2: those who spent your child's college savings to come to this happy place, thank you. (laughs) Exactly. They
1: would have failed out anyway.
0: (laughs) Right, right. So uh, my park icon is Walt's Carolwood Estate. Uh, I think it would likely need to be scaled up a bit, but I – Is this an estate for ants? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) It's actually a pretty damn big house. But anyway, uh, I want the train. Um, That would also obviously have to be scaled up a bit, but I don't want it to be the Walt Disney World Railroad. I think that in itself needs to maintain some – uh some component of being special so i was thinking a smaller scale train that is a more elaborate like heimlich's choo-choo train not actually heimlich's choo-choo train mind you but like that level of scale or the casey jr level train to add a little bit of energy around the estate itself Uh, and inside the the house uh, i'll have a table service restaurant and probably some sort of upcharge viewing of some sort. but Tim, Tim's park icon can fit inside my park icon. This exactly. A, exactly. Yeah. Well, and so it's interesting you said that. So I have this comment here. Like this Sleeping Beauty okay. Castle, uh, it doesn't necessarily need to be enormous. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it also could be oriented in reverse well. What we as have well. here is the blessing of size. Right. <laughs> so let's make it small. So if we uh, – one (laughs) of the things that they do with Sleeping Beauty Castle is they – they oriented it in uh, in reverse, so you could put a large reflecting pool in front of it. But also, like Ben, uh, my park entrance, uh, which I'm calling either Walt's Landing or Griffith Park, a little on the nose, I recognize, um, would be a large green space, not a retail corridor, and it would open up to the Carrollwood estate. I want a park statue of Walt, but I want him sitting on a bench overlooking a carousel because, again, that was the – uh that was the vision of of Disneyland and then functionally uh i think the parks just that have a significant body of water st- to uh, to stage things around like epcot or like islands of adventure uh adds a level of kinetic energy so i want a body of water uh, uh beyond the estate and i think that a facade over uh over the back of the park uh, for a mountain range can hide show buildings and things like that. So they'd have a functional purpose. A uh, body of water could be where a nighttime show is. The mountain range could hide show buildings. So uh, that's land one. Uh, as I said, dubbing it Waltz Landing or Griffith Park, uh, either one or a better name, which I'm sure is not too difficult to come up with. Land number two would be Ben's theater district, uh, retail price of $3.2 trillion. Uh, ben, you can spend that how you wish. Uh, but that's there one, are one theater and one show. <laughs> yep. Um, there are a ton of production studios that are adjacent to Griffith Park. Uh, and not that this is like that is the actual center hub of it. I just thought that that's a point of note. Um, and you can go with Los Angeles based theaters or you could go from theaters around the country or the world. But I just wanted some sort of theater district. And the idea that I like uh, for that type of venue was Broadway-style facilities that can have regularly changing shows. Maybe one or two are permanent, but things that make sense. There's the Walt Disney Concert Hall can be one of them. Pantages Theater is one that I don't think Disney has really represented. Uh, And another thought that I had, uh, if you look at it, uh, the Cinerama building uh, is kind of a half-dome structure that is kind of like you uh, lopped off the top 20% of Spaceship Earth and, I made it into a theater, but I think that could be a large retail location for the park in this area. And I, uh, we've, we've talked about black box uh, attractions here, black box theaters are what I'm looking for here with maybe uh, two or three that can rotate regularly. The other option, and this goes back to what we were talking about with black box shows is I wanted a, uh, an idea for a black box uh, uh, facility for rides. So, I don't want to put that in a theater, but I thought, all right, how do we do black box rides in a way where the facade is meaningful and doesn't need to be changed out each time? So I figured that why not enter in at uh, 1401 Flower Street, the Imagineering building, and treat that as kind of like a, an Epcot Pavilion type setup where you've got two uh, uh, show buildings behind it that are hidden. But you enter through this Imagineering corridor and you can be self-aware of the fact that you're going into a temporary attraction. And whether those are LPS type rides or some other ride system remains to be seen. I actually said on Twitter fairly recently that the cat in the hat over at Islands of Adventure would be would kind of work as a concept for a black box style attraction, because they don't have uh they have like half walls in that attraction that you repaint them, you come up with a couple different animatronics, and you can redo that entire attraction, and it's still like a I don't know, a five minute attraction. So it's still a substantial attraction on a bus bar system that just takes you through the book, Cat in the Hat. So uh that's what I'd like to see in my theatre district area. And a lot of that is stuff that I talked about on the Hollywood studios build out and much, uh, much like Hollywood studios. I think that these types of facades are also a great venue to bring back something like the Osborne lights or an equivalent light show uh, because you don't necessarily have to have performances after sunset during the holiday season. So those are, those are two of the lands. Uh, You guys still with me? Yep. Okay. Good. It's the park. If you don't like rides. I like. Well, this. That, that's that's where the other three parks are, the other three.
2: You're lands going totally confront. opposite of Universal. This is fantastic. I like. Well, this. right
0: right now, so your your main land and uh, a lot of like your your main hub, like Main Street USA, has uh, the the vehicles on Main Street USA, and that's pretty much it for the ride. So uh, I have a ride <laughs> in Land One, which is small, uh, the two black box rides, and then Land Number Three is what I'm calling the Global Neighborhood. Again, stealing a name directly from Disney's history. That was the uh, old Spaceship Earth post show.
1: Yep, remember that.
0: But this is going to be where we have permanent attractions where the emphasis is on different family dynamics and cultures as represented in Disney films. Uh, It very well could have a residential street vibe from the old Studio Backlot tour because you're going to see houses that don't necessarily make sense next to each other. Like the Casa de Madrigal and Encanto, uh, next to a house from Lilo and Stitch, next to uh, Mary Poppins, next to Incredibles. But it's set up as a neighborhood with these different houses representing the different stories and would basically just be ripe for expansion, assuming it's laid out logically. Uh, but calling it the global neighborhood allows them to bring in all of their stories uh, that don't really have that European fairy tale vibe or otherwise don't have a place in uh, any of the other existing lands and the other parks. Um, I'd love to see the Mary Poppins carousel concept where the horses lead the traditional carousel and go into a storybook as a derivation of Tony Baxter's pitch. Uh, This could be where you put an Incredibles ride uh, in. And uh, I like the idea of just having a mountainous backdrop. If we're going to have some sort of California tie as the back of the park, but you can also use that to hide a lot of the show buildings. If you set up these uh, houses on a single street, you can have the houses' facades go into this uh, massive show building area. So, uh, this—that's land number three. Land number four, I'm calling Holiday Land because Holiday World was already taken. And indeed. Just,
1: what did you say? I said indeed.
0: Yes. So again, tying it back to family, let's call it what it is: holidays are times where family and friends get together, and that is absolutely present in countless Disney movies. Um, I also thought this would be a place to put an updated carousel of progress if we're transplanting things. It could be a transition attraction between the global neighborhood and holiday land. But uh, the other IPs that could go here, Coco, Nightmare Before Christmas, Home Alone. Uh, and I like the idea of doing either the Muppet or Mickey's Christmas Carol, and of course the Nutcracker and the Four Realms, all uh, befitting of this area. A Cocoa attraction makes a ton of sense. Uh, but What I want to see that I, I don't think we've discussed here before is a Home Alone stunt show or a Rube Goldberg house <laughs> type thing. I think it would just be I don't know if you could do it as a ride, but I think doing it as a pseudo stunt show could be a lot of fun. And then for Nightmare Before Christmas, some sort of Spiral Hill based roller coaster and then my last land I'm calling vacation land uh and this is going to borrow from the original conceit of carland before they but also it. family so you got a thread there exactly so uh Cars Land was originally carland when uh Kevin Rafferty first pitched it uh, and it was going to be celebrating California's car culture with a big route 66 roadside attraction vibe so i think the common thread here family vacations road trips those are the inspiration for the land and my only original ride concept is a uh, roadside attraction ride, uh, probably using the test track car slot uh, system, but I want seven passenger station wagons loading two in the front, three in the middle and two rear facing in the back. And uh, part of the reason for that is I really like the idea of having just a totally different angle for some of the people riding the ride. And yes, it's just the fact that you want them in a, uh, a wooden panel station wagon, but I like the idea of having to theme basically everything in reverse as well. You can't have the direction of the vehicle like uh, position that way. So that was that was the uh, original one. Then I threw out the idea of a goofy raft ride where Goofy and Max are going whitewater rafting um, and other possible IPs for like the road trip conceit would be uh, Onward, the Muppet movie, or just a generic Muppet road trip. I think uh, there's a couple of areas where we can get the Muppets into this park. So Will uh, Christy Brinkley
2: pull up next to you in her Corvette? Sure, um, why not?
0: That was a Ferrari, buddy.
2: It was a Ferrari? My bad. <laughs> yes, it was. But man, I wasn't looking at the car, I guess.
1: Uh, fair enough. <laughs> You've won this round, Ben.
0: <laughs> the uh I'll tell you the thing that, that I had the the most difficulty with was coming up with names for land, so I just kind of gave up and just all right. This is vacation land. There's no real rhyme or reason behind it. But beyond that, I think I I concluded that. Even though I came up with a underlying theme, I think what is far more likely is exactly what Ben suggested that this that the next park is going to just be a combination of disconnected intellectual properties. That's very likely how they're going to do it. Uh, they're not going to try to find a way to make it cohesive, and perhaps that's better because that just you don't run the risk of dilution if there's nothing to dilute. Uh, I, I don't know what the. It's hard uh, to argue that. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know what the end result is. Whether that's whether that's good, bad, or indifferent. I mean, I've made the case that um, Hollywood Studios is substantially, or not substantially, it is a better park in my opinion than what it was 25 years ago. I agree, but it's totally it's a totally different park, yeah. and. Well, it doesn't necessarily take away what was there before, but I think it has more to do, and that itself has to has would, to play in at some point. Would you agree
1: that part of the problem there was that that park was never – the design of that park was not the best thing that Disney could do? It was simply a response so that they had a studio park before Universal opened or close to when Universal opened?
0: That absolutely was a factor in it. Uh, I mean, it was built as a half-day park effectively, and people yep. spent a full day there. And they're trying to figure out why. So there was, <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of we're, we accident. It's like discovering the French fry. We trapped this thing in oil, and it's delicious. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, I mean, sometimes these things evolve and are not as. I mean, it's rare that you get a park that is as built out as Disney Sea. The the example we all always come back to, where that park had, what was it, six well executed lands and fifteen plus rides up upon opening. That doesn't yep. happen all that often and where an becomes, infinite
1: amount of money seems to be really helpful <laughs> that, when you're that doing does, that
0: does that does help but i mean even islands of adventure which opened with i guess yeah what uh you had the hulk you had spider-man you had a couple of pretty good water rides although i don't like um uh Dudley do ride. uh you had the two roller coasters over in the lost continent so you had you know uh between the kitty rides and Seuss Landing, you probably had 15 rides there, but that was kind of met with a collective meh because it was so poorly marketed. You don't really see parks being slam dunks from the get go, um, with I think Disney C being the lone exception to that. I don't know, you guys think of one that? I mean, even if you're going back to Epcot, they had to make changes to that park right away. As much as we love classic Epcot, uh, characters were in there within a year because people looked at it and said, where the hell are the characters? And yes, let's give them, you know, the, the futuristic well, rainbow, uh, metallic jumpsuits. But yeah, I, I, don't know.
1: I honestly think that the reaction there I don't have any problem with those characters because they were thematically correct. Mm-hmm. Like I, it was cool. Um, but I think they pulled the plug on the original notion of Epcot far too soon.
0: Okay. I mean, that's, that's a, not really a debate. It's another day. (laughs) Yeah. It's a,
1: sorry to sneeze, but
0: (laughs) we'll allow it. But this has been an interesting exercise and one that I think has been a long time coming. Uh, I think we all, the fact that we all just said, all right, what is the current management doing and how do we fix the problem that they're not going to fix? We just right. come up with an all-encompassing area for that stuff to go. So I tried to rein it in with a specific category. You guys uh, basically just said, F it, that's too <laughs> that's that's too restrictive." Let's just say, all right, this is where everything we don't have a home for elsewhere it goes. And I think that's largely been what Hollywood studios was thought to be. But it was just too rushed. It it couldn't it couldn't even fulfill that
1: because yeah. of its logistical problems. I think.
0: But with
2: like the leadership that's at Disney right now, like. Honestly, do you think they would ever green light a deeply themed restricted park or go with what like Josh and I said? Like, that's the sad part is the angle that we came from is. I, yeah. You sad. said somebody. Pra-
1: like heartbreaking pragmatism.
2: Yeah. Like the guy in charge that says, okay, go spend the money doesn't have the mental capacity to understand, <laughs> you know, a th- highly themed cons- conceptual park. He's only going to look at where can we put this at? Where can we put? Where's right, the right. shop at? Hey, no, 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 no! Freaking moron! I swear. But if but if we
1: could preserve, uh, it, there there are some great parks there, and this is a hard line for me to walk because I I feel like a lot of damage has been done. With the exception, probably of Animal Kingdom, I think a lot of been, damage has been done to all the parks. Magic Kingdom too. Um, uh, but I don't want to look at it and say, well, they're already broken, so I'm not going to do anything to try and keep this harm from happening. So that was kind of the the impetus mm-hmm. for my idea was, yeah, things are not as intact as I would like them to be, but I shouldn't mistake that for being for meaning that it can't be worse. So if we can provide an outlet valve for them to put these attractions that they're going to do no matter what in a place that doesn't hurt what we already have – then, number one, it'll, it prevents that damage from continuing. Number two, it allows the company to make the money they want to make on these things as they happen. And three, over time, it creates an avenue to undo some of the damage that's been done. So, you know, if Disney is jealous of uh, amusement park operators, then give Disney an amusement park. <laughs> and we've seen them do it in California. I mean, that is what the second gate there is, really. Um they didn't, they couldn't quite figure out how to, I think they sort of had an identity crisis issue at that park. But I guess my point is Disney wants to do two things. They want to create highly themed lands, worlds, and they also want to be able to respond quickly in order to capitalize on films that come out. And what we've seen is that those two things are largely incompatible. So we have to provide some mechanism for them to do both so that they can do one without destroying the other.
0: I think that mechanism is going to be the studios. I think you... you it makes sense, right? You, I mean, doesn't that make sense? No, it does. You cited uh, Magic Kingdom and Animal Kingdom as parks that are not really broken, and I agree with that. I think that they've gone a long way to improve the studios, and I would not call Agreed. the studios broken right now. I think... I agree. It, it's not It's not what the original intent of the studios was, but it's an enjoyable park right now. Yeah, I agree and with you. It's
1: better than it was six years ago, for sure.
0: So, so that in itself you have to praise them for. I, I mean, personally, I am in favor of the direction that three of the four parks are going. And the fourth one, I'm, I wouldn't say cautiously optimistic. I'm just cautious, uh, <laughs> cautiously something about it. I, I, I wait and see is what I'm doing with Epcot. But with the studios, it's still incomplete. It still has its flaws. Most of which are that they have nine attractions, seven of which is seven of which are headliners. And there's a there's a massive demand for a lot of those attractions because they're relatively low capacity. They don't have the things to pull people away from those and putting a Fantasyland equivalent in the studios. I mean, we we identified the problem across these three parks. Whether this was the intent of the exercise or not, we all came up with the same conclusion that they need a release valve for more Fantasyland attractions. Yep. So yeah. yep. We well, the takeaway may have been that we came up with three different ideas. Really, the takeaway should be they need another Fantasyland. And
1: And for (laughs) just for the listeners to know, we did zero sharing about this beforehand. There was not one word said about Fantasyland being the problem. That just happened completely organically.
0: I mean, and we don't get me wrong. We've talked about that. We've said that Fantasyland is the most valuable real estate in Disney world. that, uh, it's why I say move, it's a small world. It's why we say get rid of the speedway for one. Well, that's just because the speedway sucks. Well, but, yeah. <laughs> uh, but like it's, it's valuable re, uh, real estate adjacent to the most valuable real estate, uh, on property. But at the same time, if you add to the existing fantasy land, you are just creating and compounding the problem of Magic Kingdom's capacity. And if you were able to take that and lift it and put it somewhere else that an Epcot and, and do that with a, Fantasyland 2 electric boogaloo in the studios or a fifth gate, then that solves a big chunk of these things that we're identifying as problems. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Perhaps that should be our takeaway here that this so. so well, ahead. As I say, so now that the listeners have heard
2: our, uh, our pitches, they should go to our Facebook page and tell us which park they would F, marry and kill. and <laughs> uh, Tell us who
0: won. Yeah, there you go.
1: Uh- <laughs> well, they're already effing up cut,
0: So <laughs> It is. So I understand the angle that you guys went to. And I think perhaps it is the me, Tim being jaded, wanting to come up with a thematic tie to bring it all together. It's, it's kind of disappointing to me that a topic, a, a concept as broad as family is probably too focused for a fifth gate in Disney's eyes. And that's yeah. that's that's probably that's the biggest flaw in my idea. Uh, I think I, I stand by what I came up with. But I think from a linking it to reality standpoint that trying to have a cohesive theme is probably just not going to happen if they were to ever build a fifth gate in Florida, at least not under current management.
2: Honestly, I was a little shocked you just didn't come up with Disney's Africa Park and try to <laughs> – Bring back Joe Rody and and be like, you know, the greatest land that ever was deserves its own entire park.
0: I mean, you're not wrong, but there were a couple. <laughs> so I did have rejected idea Villains Park because for me, that's everything that I come back to. That seems to be a very obvious choice if you want to directly compete with Universal. So I, I didn't want to go down that route, even though I feel that I probably could have had a lot of fun with that. And perhaps we just all agree to do a Villains Park it's a pretty
2: no-brainer cons I yeah, mean yeah. it's it's honestly kind of shocking it's gotten this far down the line that they haven't done something with it but yeah.
0: but anyway uh, that is going to do it for this episode of the Marty Cole podcast if you have any questions or topic ideas, you can email us at martycalled@gmail.com. at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter under the username at martycalled or join in, in the discussions in our Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash martycalled. Uh, at this point, we're not getting anything from our Amazon affiliates, so if people want to just send us money directly, that would be appreciated. <laughs> and uh, I, I mentioned Patreon earlier. You guys want to set that up? Josh, you want to get on that? Sure, I'm on it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and Ben, you said you're trading me the first pick in our fantasy draft. Uh, So after you do that, where can people find you online?
2: You can find me on Twitter at backside underscore water. And you can find my top 10 column in every issue of Attractions Magazine.
0: Josh, same question.
1: Uh, Utilidors.com. That's two O's. The second O is for O. And uh, we have some amazing merchandise on there that I know you're just going to want to get for all the people in your, wait for it, family. (laughs)
0: Ohana means family and all-you-can-eat wings. Uh, You can find me at www.themeparks.com and at www.themeparks on Twitter. I said that weird. Sorry about that. Talk to you guys later. Good night, everybody.
2: I'm the tax man. Yeah, I'm the tax man.
0: To all who come to this magic bathroom, welcome.
1: <laughs> to all who appreciate forced IP injection, welcome.
2: <laughs> to all who made a park reservation today, welcome. <laughs>
1: <laughs> to everyone whose main priority today is to make some sweet TikToks,
2: welcome. <laughs> Disneyland is your land, except for Genie Plus. You have to pay an extra
0: $15 for that. <laughs> to all who come to this purple wall, welcome. Welcome. <laughs>
1: To all with a beacon score of over 700, welcome.
0: To all who paid
2: extra money for lightning lanes, extra welcome. (laughs) (laughs) We we really appreciate you guys a lot more than the normal ones.
0: (laughs) To all who purchased lightning, hurry the fuck up. (laughs) (laughs) To all who still have money in your wallet, what the fuck is wrong with you? To
1: all who still have money in your wallet, stand on your hands, please. And also, welcome. (laughs) To all
2: who are reading this plaque, what are you doing? Go spend money now. Go. (laughs) The plaque should have a fucking dollar bill acceptor on it where you can't read it until you pay. My my GD Plus said I should make a reservation to read the plaque right now. (laughs) Oh, my God. Can you imagine?
1: You you spent 20 bucks for for letting you read the plaque.
2: Read the plaque (laughs) at 3 (laughs) o'clock.
1: What time is the 3 o'clock plaque reading? (laughs)